Dad in the Rock presents Amanda Warren Review Podcast. This is Chapter 5, The Gunslinger, and Chapter 6, The Prisoner. This is Sean. And this is Chris. Hey, we're uh, back at it again. It's been a couple weeks since the last uh, Mandalorian review show, and we have a couple of couple of good episodes to talk about. Yeah, it gave us a, you know, a couple more of these these shows here for us to go ahead and chew on and dissect. Uh, but uh, so far, so good. So, uh, what do you think? Well, what's uh, what is your thought on this? Uh, the most recent one that's come out, the episode. Well, not most recent one, but uh, two weeks ago now, episode five, the Gunslinger. Um, I gotta be honest, The Gunslinger I was not a huge fan of as I first first watched it, and uh, I was less of a fan the second time I watched it. Uh, it just wasn't great, it was kind of like a, uh, kind of a nothing burger of an episode, in my opinion. Now, I mean, there was a lot of fan service with, like, I mean, he walked into the Mos Eisley Cantina, so, I mean, that's kind of a big deal for any Star Wars geek. Not see. only that, but he walked into it, and what was behind the counter? Right. What don't they serve there? Dro- yeah, oh, droids. There was a droid behind the counter. <laughs> yeah, we don't serve their kind here. So that, that was pretty big. Um, yeah, but as far as the rest of the episode, it was kind of kind of nothing. I will just. I mean, the episode opens up. So he just let the planet um, kind of parted ways with Cara Dune. That planet uh, he was hoping would be a good fit for Baby Yoda, but he just wasn't able to keep him there. So he's on the run once again. And uh, I do like how the action just kind of drops right in, and, and Mandalorian's being fired upon by this bounty hunter who looked to be flying something similar. I mean, it looked kind of like a pod racer. It was sleek. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, they, they came into the whole uh, traditional kind of opening shot for a Star Wars even movie. You know, the space shot where the ship coming in, if it's just, say, a Star Destroyer coming over or if it's some type of chase going on, uh, they kind of held to that, which which is pretty cool. Uh, so, yeah, they can come in, he's, he's firing, then he... Yeah, yeah I can bring in warm or I can bring in cold. Yeah, and he took offense to that. He kind of hit the brakes and let him fly by him and... <laughs> He pulled a, uh, a Maverick on him. Yeah, I figured you would like that move, just slamming on the brakes and then firing on I, I swear, I, I've done that countless times, actually playing, like, uh, Rogue Squadron games and flying games where you're in an X-Wing. I've, you know, just slammed on the brakes and... <laughs> so the <laughs> like fighter right by you. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's a pretty smooth move. But, uh, yeah, that, that was uh, that was fun. He took some damage to his ship, though, unfortunately. Oh, yeah, we're coming to find out that this uh, the Razor, his ship, is actually a big hunk of junk. Uh, no one is impressed by this thing at all. <laughs> no. Yeah, but he, he flies in uh, to a planet that we actually have known. This is the first time we've gotten any recognition from a planet, any name, anything from a planet. And we flew into Tatooine, which was a uh, which was pretty cool seeing. I oh, mean, yeah. I think they they had no choice but to name it because people would have figured it out relatively quickly, right? Uh, just because I mean, they fly in, they land. Next thing I know, like we already mentioned, he's in the cantina. And, I mean, if you know anything about Star Wars, you realize uh, the character that he winds up meeting here, one of these kids that wanted to become a part of the the bounty guild, bounty hunting guild, is sitting in the same spot where Luke meets Han and Chewie. So, I mean, there's yeah. a lot of fan service going on here. It's at the uh, same exact table where uh, McClunky happens and the uh, Han Greedo showdown goes. I mean, we're getting a lot of things that we would recognize immediately and we already even mentioned uh you know the droid bartender that you know he's taking care of everybody which is quite a flip that we also find out that the guild uh does not operate out of tatooine so he's looking for something kind of off the uh off the scope which we know he's looking for anywhere because he's a marked man within the within the guild 
Yeah, this place uh, was hopping back in the days when uh, Obi-Wan and Luke just kind of stumbled in there looking for some help. I mean, it's pretty... It's famous. It's like when people think of Star Wars, especially the 77 Star Wars, that's what they think about uh, mostly is the Star Wars Cantina. And you got the Bith Band and uh, the Hive of Scum and Villainy. And uh, it's, a, it's a different looking cantina these days. It's, there's barely any patrons and uh, there's just a couple of droids behind the, behind the bar. Kind of sad. Yeah, but uh, before Mando walks out, he uh, kind of gets called over by this new character, uh, Toro Calican. Or Calican, I guess is his name, uh, played by an actor who I had no idea who he is. I've never seen him before, Jake uh, Cannaval. Um, but what do you think of this character? Uh, I mean, it's a young, cocky kid. Yeah. I mean, pretty much he was trying to make a name for himself, and he once he found out who the actual bounty was on, uh, Fennec Shayed, I mean, played by Ming Na Wang, uh, he was like, oh, yeah, no, I can't do this on my own. And he didn't even want the bounty. He just wanted to get into the guild itself. Yeah. So he offered up the full bounty to Mando, and the Mando was like, kind of, okay, but we're doing it my way. But, uh, yeah, she sounds like someone that you wouldn't mess with. I mean, she's messed with, basically ran for all the, the higher-ups, all the crime syndicates, including the Huts themselves. So, I mean, if she survived all that, I mean, she was no easy get. And, I mean, they seen that when they first rolled up on her, too. It was a, uh, a Bantha, basically just dragging another bounty hunter. It's like, okay, there goes one that, that she, basically she took out. She's like a sniper. You're yeah. sitting on top of a dune, you walk out there, and boom, lights out. Yeah, Mando called this from the get-go. He wanted no part of it until the kid kind of insisted. And uh, Mando is in a desperate situation. He needs that money. Uh, I mean, just to backtrack a little bit, his, you know, he's running out of fuel. He had to land in Mos Eisley. His ship needs repairs. Uh, luckily, he did land in a, um, a port where there's a mechanic played by Amy Sedaris. Um, after some grumbling and grousing about droids working on his ship, because you know he's, he's not a big fan of that. Which these actually were the same droids that were in uh, like uh, Mosespa during the, the that would help out during the pod race. Did you recognize? Yeah, yeah. That? <laughs> well, I mean, more fan service. I mean, we're yeah. recognizing this is the first time we're recognizing things when it comes to outside of like a Mandalorian within this this new universe we're learning. Yeah, I actually, you know, as much as I don't really care for this episode, I really liked Amy Sedaris's portrayal as this character, uh, Peli Mato, I think maybe is the name, but she's kind of this uh, this mechanic who doesn't really take a lot of guff, and you know, she spends her time uh, playing sabacc with her her droid pals, her droid helpers, um, and she uh, she comes across Baby Yoda. At first, they're they're scared because Baby Yoda makes it. He kind of channels a crate dragon or something, kind of the way Obi Wan did with uh, the Tusken Raiders. But he sounds really scary, and they get paranoid, and they, she pulls her blaster, and uh, out comes this sleepy-headed uh, Baby Yoda just stumbling down the uh, the runway of the Razor Crest. And, uh, yeah, I mean, she she was pretty funny throughout. Oh, yeah, I mean, Baby Yoda melted her heart immediately. She has no idea what he's capable of. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> she's like, oh, look at the little green squishy thing. Yeah, she does what all of us want to do and just picks him up and just starts calling him nicknames and petting him. And, <laughs> and petting his ears. His big ears. <laughs> One yeah. of her lines, like, I'm getting ahead of myself, one of her lines in the air. I was like, was that loud for your big ears? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was great. But um, So, you know, once Mando kind of agrees to uh, work with this guy, you know, he sets, he gives the guy the task to, you know, grab some transportation, and he does meet back to... Uh, Mando's port, um, where Amy Sedaris's character is, with a couple of swoop bikes, which we actually saw Anakin ride one of these on his way to 
cut down some Tusken Raiders to save his mom. The same style of swoop bike. Um, but yeah, they're, they're hunks of junk. This was a kind of a cool sequence of shots. It kind of reminded me of a couple of cowboys just hopping on their horse and riding across the plains. But they jump on their swoop bikes. They kind of race each other through the dunes. And finally, like you mentioned earlier, they come across this bantha with this uh, dead uh, bounty hunter, it seems like. And um, yeah, this uh, this assassin, this uh, the character played by Ming-Na Wen, she gets the drop on him. And, and luckily, Mando has his Beskar armor, or else he wouldn't have made it out of that confrontation. Yeah, no, he walks up there, and all of a sudden he starts getting shot, and he gets hit, and hit, gets hit in his best car a few times and falls back behind the uh, dude, and he's like, yep, uh, I can survive that. You won't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> pretty much what he told the kid. And uh, then they pretty much just sit up there, and they're like, okay, we're going to wait till it gets dark, and we're going to take shifts, and Mando goes and takes a nap, and the kid thinks he's, like, dead or something. He's yeah. not responding, or he's still sleeping. He starts acting like an idiot in front of him. Draws his gun on him. Yeah, he, he looks at him, are you done? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this whole thing, this kind of like, um, you know, like a long, drawn-out shootout, kind of waiting on the other party to make their move. I mean, it's straight out of Unforgiven. This is kind of another Western trope where uh, Mando knows what the score is. He knows that, you know, she has the high ground, <laughs> famously. Yeah. She's this not going to give that up. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he, he knows that they're good to just sit back and, and make their move later, so he takes a little snooze. Um, but, yeah, eventually it does happen. Night falls, and uh, they they kind of charge at her with their swoop bikes. And uh, another kind of... Now, I, I couldn't see too much, unfortunately. I don't know if it's the brightness on my TV or, or what. It was kind of hard to follow for me because the screen was kind of dark with it being at night. Um, but, yeah, did you uh, have any issues watching that uh, action sequence? I didn't have any issues watching it on the TV that when I watched it you know, for the first time. Uh, when I watched it for the second time earlier today, uh, I had a difficult time on my laptop. Yeah. So I, I can see how people would have issues with it, but when I was actually watching it you know, outright, I had no problem. I didn't have a Game of Thrones issue. Uh, yeah, on that when they're kind of swooping in, when they're coming in on their bikes, uh, they outsmarter. They know she's up there yeah. with a scope. It doesn't matter how bright it is outside, but they got flashbangs, and they start yes. setting them off, and it starts blinding her. And then uh, she actually takes a shot and takes out one of the bikes. But by the time they take the bike out, it's way too late for her, and they're they're right up on her. Yeah, just another example of just his ingenuity. Like he's just he knows exactly what to do in, in so many of the these situations. I mean, you could tell he's been around the block, and we get a little bit more history in that the next episode, the prisoner. Uh, but yeah, just he uses these flashbangs perfectly to to get the drop on her. Yeah, and I thought it was. I mean. With me, you know, going through basic training and being in the army and everything, the uh, the brightness of those things—they're no joke. Yeah. So just kind of knowing a little bit behind, I mean, that was—I I don't know where he's hiding all his bags of tricks. Mm-hmm. But uh, just that, just him thinking, you know, this is how we're going to approach it, because that kid would have known—it could have been dead. Oh yeah. Been like five times over. There's no way he would have made it through it. And then they, you know, get up on her and start they basically capture her and they're like, okay, we're short a bike. Yeah. How are we getting her back? <laughs> exactly. and he's like, oh, well, we can just drag you. <laughs> yeah, they've got one bike and a bantha. Well, they don't even have a bantha yet. Oh, yeah. They, he's got to go they, corral it, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. He, well, he wants the kid to go get her, and the kid's like, well, this is when the kid starts thinking. It's like, no, I'm not letting you go. I'm not going and leaving you with her and you know, a chance to abandon me. Right. He's like, you go get it and then come back. And that's when things start getting a little, uh, a little hairy in this episode. Yeah, it's um, it's funny how how she was able to convince him, or at least we think. That's what I thought, at least, because Mando kind of takes off. He needs to go corral this band, then come back. 
Um, so he's posted there with, you know, their, their quarry. Yeah, so she mentions that uh, she knows who the Mandalorian is. She heard reports of a Mandalorian escaping with this, you know, I guess the Baby Yoda um, from uh, planet Navarro, which I guess we finally get a name drop of the planet we spent some time on in those first couple episodes. She tells Tora how much more he's worth, especially him with his armor and Baby Yoda in tow. It's going to be a lot worth a lot more than she is. And uh, he buys it, but uh, as soon as I think that he's going to partner up with her and they're going to team up together against Mando, he just shoots her dead. Yeah, I mean, and then he kind of shows his colors a little bit. You've got to be a scumbag to be, you know, wanting to get into that type of line of work. But uh, he thinks about it. He's like, he, he, he was smart enough to know, as soon as I uncuff you, you're killing me. Yeah. So, and, and then she's going to try to go get him. So uh, he took her out, got in the bike, and then went back to where the Razor Crest was waiting and just kind of waited for the Bantha riding Mando to show up. Yeah, I mean, I disliked this guy from the get-go just because I thought he was, he was like, had no class and was just kind of smarmy. But then once he pulled that move, I'm like, oh, this guy's not only, like, kind of a jerk, but he's, like, like evil. Like, he's kind of rotten to the core. Like, this <laughs> this guy's no joke. He'll just, you know, he'll just shoot somebody without feeling bad about it. <laughs> well, they're fun to have in the, the Star Wars universe every now and then. One of those guys that don't want any tiny, type of redemption. They are who they are. And uh, let's just see if they can survive. And usually... They don't, but uh, right. it's you got to have that type of character every now and then, one of those swarmy type guys. Yeah, that's true. So, um, you know, earlier in that episode when he was dropping off the swoop bikes, he, he did notice that uh, Baby Yoda was being carried around by the, the mechanic, which he kind of took note. You kind of see him take note of that mentally, um, and he puts two and two together, and he realizes that this Mandalorian is one of the same from the one that left Navarro, and, uh, yeah, he hightails it and, and heads on his swoop bike, uh, to the docking port where the Razor Crest is stationed, and he gets there way before Mando does. <laughs> yeah, he's he's sitting there waiting, and just kind of waiting. And when he finally pulls in, he thinks he's got the jump on him. He's like, "Yeah, I'm I'm smarter than this guy. He's not going to be able to outsmart me." And then he, you know, Mando puts down his weapon, which it, it doesn't normally happen. He doesn't separate himself from any of his weapons. Yeah, puts his hands behind his head, and then uh, uh, what's her name? Is Pelly, the uh, mechanic. When she goes back to cuff him, she looks at him, or she talks to him behind her, you're smarter than you look. Yeah, I love that line. <laughs> she was great. I loved everything she had to say the whole episode. That was great. And, uh, yeah, he, um, you know, this this guy gets taken out, this Toro guy, thankfully. I, I was so thankful when he was he had a blaster bolt in him. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You wanted to see a burning hole of flesh. That's crazy. Yeah, I didn't care well, for Well, now your true colors are showing. <laughs> hey, especially when he was holding a blaster to Baby Yoda. You don't do that. Well, Baby Yoda, I, I think it really came down to he were like, you know, he would have turned that weapon on him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, all in all, man, that, that episode, I think of all of them that we've seen so far, that's, that's got to be my least favorite one. Yeah. But I think we've actually missed something here. We, we kind of got to, you know, the whole episode, that you know, everything that happened within the hangar there. But at the very end, you see uh, Fennec laying there, we think dead, and then somebody walks up to her. We don't yeah. know who it is. Uh, there has been some theories. Now, I think they're far-fetched. I hope they're not right, just because I think they're far-fetched. But the way that someone's walking in and the way the music is, they were timing it with another character from another movie. And it sounds like it could be Boba Fett. Yeah, I did hear about this, too. And that's honestly, that's exactly what I 
thought when I first, because the way they were keeping him so mysterious, they only shot him, you could only really see, you know, his calves down, so you see his boots, you see with the sound of just like jingling, like almost like spurs jingling, and there's his stride. It was the same sound that uh, Boba Fett walked around with in Empire, that, that same exact kind of sound and, and way of walking. So that's immediately what I started thinking of. Um, but I... I don't know. I mean, I'm not convinced. I think maybe we are meant as an audience to think it might be Boba Fett, but uh, there's some characters that have been in these Mandalorian trailers that we haven't seen just yet, and I'm wondering if, if it could have been one of them. Yeah, if you're going to go down that road, they got to let this first season kind of play out and then uh, kind of see, or test the waters, see how much people really want to come back. And I, I've got a feeling so many people, he's got, he's got such a fanfare for being such a terrible bounty hunter. <laughs> uh, I, I don't I don't understand it. I think I've told you this before, like bounty hunter wise. I mean, I'll take Cad Bane over Boba Fett any day. Oh sure. So, uh, but I mean, that's just because I've dived so far into the Star Wars world now. A lot of people don't even know who Cad Bane really is. So, uh, if they love their Boba Fett, I'll give them their Boba Fett. You know, and and how do you think the actual Mandalorians feel about uh, these bounty hunters wearing Bandal- Mandalorian armor and going about, you know? assuming the identity of a Mandalorian. Do you think they're cool with that? I would think not. <laughs> Probably not, no. I mean, I think it's different uh, with, say, Man- Mando, who we know, because he grew up with them, so he's kind of adopted right. by the he, culture. Yeah, he's a part. he is a Mandalorian. I mean, he may yeah. not be been born into it, but he assumed their, their culture, like you said. Um, not so much with Boba Fett. They just wear the armor because it's, you know, it strikes it fear cool. into people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so... It's probably not cool with them. You won't see him walking around down wherever they're, you know, the, the group is hiding. Yeah. But I think you'd rarely ever see that happen. I don't think uh, he would be welcome. But anyway, yeah, that, no. that's how the episode The Gunslinger ends. Uh, like Chris and I said, not our favorite. Um, but, you know, a, even a bad episode of The Mandalorian is still pretty darn good. So we'll move on to Chapter 6, The Prisoner. Um, no. How'd you feel about this episode? This one I enjoyed. Now, I felt like a drug a little bit. This is one that probably could have been 30 minutes rather than 40-some minutes, I think it was. Yeah. Uh, but this was actually fun. I had I, I, I thought this one was a fun episode. I don't know why it has so much fun to it. I know towards the end, it got... I kind of want to jump the gun on it. But it, <laughs> it got fun with there. But when yeah, he's kind of flying... Once again, we have a ship coming in, traditional opening scene... And yeah, he's the, flying in. He's finding a friend. He, he meets up with an old friend, uh, uh, Reznar. He keeps on just calling him Moran. And yeah. he finds out there's, an, once again, I mean, it's, it's what we're finding as a pattern with the show as well. He's hooking up for another job. Yeah, and this guy, this actor actually recognized immediately. My wife and I watched uh, Sons of Anarchy um, almost... Well, actually, no, we did watch that entire series, and he was one of the bikers, the main characters in that show. He was also in Batman Begins, a pretty recognizable guy. Just his hair and his stocky stature kind of, um, you know, make him right off the bat. But, uh, yeah, like you said, the episode opens up with the Razor Crest landing down. He needs a job. He needs money. He needs to keep moving. And uh, at first, you don't really see Baby Yoda um, throughout. You know, he kind of meets up with these other guys. Um, he, you know, Raznar says this um, job is kind of a five-person uh, crew, or they need, you know, a few people to get it done. Uh, and you immediately meet uh, comedian Bill Burr, who's kind of a staple on the Conan show, and he does a great bunch of great stand-up. He does that Netflix show, F is for Family, which is hilarious. Uh, it was fun, actually, seeing him. It didn't take... It, it took me out of it for half a second, but once he started, you know, going back and forth between the characters, I was into it. 
oh yeah, you realize he wasn't someone really to mess with either. Yeah. Uh, when they actually he called him basically uh, a stormtrooper, and uh, he took <laughs> yeah. offense to that real fast. <laughs> but yeah, he runs much. into uh, not just you know Reznor, but he also runs into an old friend. Uh, uh, I think I'm apprentice right, Zayan. Possibly uh, a Twi'lek. Yeah. Twi'lek. Yeah. That uh, she seems like she is someone not to cross. We've seen a lot of Twi'leks, but not anyone to uh, really to her level. Yeah, so this character, uh, Zian, played by Natalia Tenna, uh, she's actually a pretty well-known actress. She's been in a couple other of uh, high, high-profile things. She played Tonks in the Harry Potter series. Uh, she was also Osha in Game of Thrones. Um, so yeah, you wouldn't recognize her under all that makeup and those uh, those headtails. <laughs> uh, but yeah, she was she was quite the character, wasn't she? Oh, quite a knife thrower. I was impressed. She was no joke. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, another character, Berg, they're kind of their big man enforcer, who's a Devorian, who's a race that we first saw in, in A New Hope in the Star Wars Cantina, speaking of which. Uh, but yeah, he's a big dude played by Clancy Brown, who, um, I don't he's been a, he's a character actor that was in the Shawshank Redemption, he's been in a ton of stuff. Uh, he also does a, a bunch of voice work. You you may not know it, but he plays Mr. Krabs on oh, Spongebob Oh, no way! Mr. Krabs? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. Oh, that is awesome! So this big muscular, you can uh, you can shut a basically a security door on me. You can not hurt me, dude. Yeah. Is also a crab. Yeah, he kind of looked like Mr. Guessed. Crab this episode. <laughs> big, big. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we meet all these people in this new hangar here, and uh, we start to figure out what the job is. He goes to, he finds out everybody. Then he finds out that there is a droid. Not only a droid. But a droid that's going to go in his ship, try to optimize it, and play with his toys, which uh, you, you can tell he didn't say anything during the episode yeah, about yeah. it, but uh, he wasn't uh, wasn't happy about it. I can't believe he agreed to that, that the droid was going to fly his ship. That's crazy. Exactly. Well, I think once he found out the maneuver that needed to be made to be done, yeah. he knew there was no way that no one can do it besides maybe a droid himself. Right. Uh, but they find out the mark that they're actually going to go get is on a, a high-security Republic prison. And he's like, oh, I don't want this heat. I know what this is. Uh, He's pretty much saying, I'm out. Yeah. (laughs) Count me out of this. Then he finds out that it's basically completely manned by droids. And he's like, you know what? I hate those little bastards anyway. I'm going to go cut a few down. (laughs) Yeah, they've got one human prison guard just watching the cameras and then a bunch of droids. I I don't know. I'm trying to um, think why the New Republic would have a... um kind of a uh, little prison ship out here in the middle of nowhere in the Outer Rim, but maybe that's just because... It's kind of like their version of Alcatraz, if you think about it. Yeah, I I suppose you're right. Um, But uh, not for being Alcatraz, they're really kind of depending on these uh, droids to to keep the peace. But, I mean, to be fair, they are pretty formidable. Oh, yeah, they were were no joke. But, yeah, they finally, you know, they fly in. And uh, while they're flying in, there's a, you know, confrontation on on the ship. You kind of expect it. You know, Berg is big old muscular guy that pretty much can do anything he wants to do at any time. Yeah. Not used to running into people and kind of, uh, you know, saying no. Yeah. So he kind of gets into uh, the Mando's, you know, cache of weapons, and they just started getting into it. And actually, I thought we were going to see Mando's face. I thought it was going to happen. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, just knowing this character, and he's going to rip it off, and they start, you know, fighting. And he asked, you know, if they're such great warriors, why, is, why are they all dead? And then we're going to get the chuckle out of that. 
Yeah, being really disrespectful to Mando, and he's kind of keeping his uh, mouth uh, shut and his uh, lips tight for, for a lot of that. But, yeah, so they're going back and forth. They're kind of getting into a tumble, and, and during that tumble, they hit a switch, and out pops this opening where uh, Mando had Baby Yoda stashed. Pop goes the weasel. I mean, we're like 10, maybe 15 minutes into this episode, and we're seeing Baby Yoda for the first time. Uh, yeah, I mean, all of a sudden he's looking at his, his little eyes and his ears, and he's kind of telling like, what the hell's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> they uh, apparently don't know what this thing is. They think it's his pet. Um, if they do know what this uh, baby Yoda is, they're not giving it away. They seem pretty ignorant to it. Uh, but, of course, they just kind of make fun of Mando for having this thing. So Bill Burr, he's kind of, you know, he's giving Mando crap. He's He's got Baby Yoda in his hands, and all of a sudden the, the ship slams on the brakes. They, they come at a hyperspeed without any warning, and uh, Bill Burr drops Baby Yoda. I gasped. I was like, how could you do such a thing? Oh, no. He is now damaged goods. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, we see him kind of roll away, and everyone's getting up, and everyone's complaining that we didn't even get a countdown before they came out of hyperspace to brace themselves for this, uh, this whole crazy maneuver they're doing to go ahead and pull and next thing you know it they're all kind of you know brushing off and they landed and it's it's you know game on it's time to go and they kind of forget all about baby yoda yeah so they're they're finally attached to this uh this prison ship um they they go through the kind of the porthole to to get entry uh they make commando go first of course because you know out of the group he's the most expendable according to them um, so he goes down there, and, and immediately they, they start, uh, you know, kind of wandering, going down these halls uh, very carefully. Um, well, they have their droid back on the ship, Zero, that's kind of got a, a monitor on all of them. Yeah. And he's uh, he basically tapped into the security system as well, so he can pretty much see anything and everything and reroute them if need be. Yeah. Uh, but what uh, sets him off? A little mouse droid, this, the kind that you would find rolling through the Death Star. And I seen a mouse droid, and I smiled. Yeah. I couldn't help it. Then this guy, this idiot, like, fires upon it. Like, aren't you guys supposed to be doing, like, a stealth mission? And he just starts shooting the thing up. <laughs> well, yeah, Bill Burr's going to make you. I was like, dude. Yeah. Really? <laughs> Are we trying them that we're here? Yeah. And sure enough, all of a sudden, what, three or four of these, you know, monsters, like, almost like battle droids. I've never seen droids nowhere. like these before in games or anything, but they were pretty badass. Yeah, they came in, kind of pinned them down, and they're firing. Next thing I know, they're asking for Mando. It was like they look in Bill Burr's character. It's like I knew it. He yeah. bailed on us. You know it. Next thing he walks in behind him, and it's probably one of my most satisfying scenes so far outside of the um, the Mudhorn uh, scene. Yes, just showing him because we're used to seeing Mando get his butt kicked. Right. It's kind of one of the best things about it. Yeah. I like how he always kind of wins, but he's not walking away like Superman. Right. So he comes in and he just starts sliding. He's got his viral blade out. He's she's chopping these guys down. Uh, one of them kind of pin him up against the wall, and he you know, basically takes him out. Then he shoots another one in the head, and he kind of looks down like, that's why we're the best warriors in the, in the galaxy. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. It's almost like a little prelude to what happens later in the episode with him disappearing and uh, kicking tail like that uh, out of the shadows. It was it was pretty cool. Yeah, no, that was really fun. And then... Um, you know, Mayfield's line. You gonna clean up your mess when they're walking away? <laughs> like, you really got some nerve, dude. <laughs> yeah, it reminded me when uh, Han took care of Greedo and then flipped a coin over to uh, the bartender. Sorry about the mess. <laughs> yeah, but they keep going and they finally get into this uh, this control room, and they find that there is actually one living soul that is not locked up on this ship, and he's just watching. He's a mall security guard sitting in there. 
And he's just like, he, they open it up, and all of a sudden he pulls his blaster, and there's like five of them. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I'm out of my skis here. I'm not, this, isn't, this isn't good. Oh, yeah. You could see him sweating. I mean, the sweat was real. The force was not with this guy. Uh, apparently, a little fun fact, this actor is, uh, does the voice of uh, Anakin on the uh, Clone Wars series. Oh, so they're kind of keeping it in the family with this one here. Yeah, you'd expect, I, I would think that Dave Filoni, who actually makes a cameo himself later in this episode, is going to be doing that on The Mandalorian from time to time, is bringing some of these actors, these voice actors in for, for parts. Well, that's fun. I mean, not big parts, but you know enough to go ahead and say, hey, I was in this one too. Hey, yeah, cut a paycheck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yep, they get arguing, they're like, they're going back and forth, and all of a sudden, this guy pulls out this like tracker device, like a learning thing. And both Mayfield and Mando both recognize it immediately. They know, oh, that's a tracker. And that's going to bring, you know, the New Republic here in a heartbeat. It's going to bring the heat. Yeah, and so Mando's trying to talk all these hotheads down. He's trying to talk. He puts his weapon around. He tells, you know, Mayfield to put his weapon away. And he's getting, you know, pushed back. And he finally, he's talking to him. And he basically says, you'll live. Just give me that. And then, you know, Mayfield says no. Then all of a sudden, they pull their guns on each other. And then we have the hothead incident where, you know, my ego is bigger than your ego. Yeah. That whole thing happens. And all of a sudden, we got a bunch of weapons pulled. And then Zion basically just throws a knife. And this ends the whole thing. She's like, just shut up and kill him. Yeah, Tonks the Twi'lek. She decides the argument for them. And now the guy's dead. Uh, And not only is he dead... When he dropped it, it right. probably pushed the button when it hit the floor. <laughs> yeah. yeah, one of them says the line of like, was that thing blinking before? <laughs> then they start looking. Then yeah, Zero calls him and says, I got, I got some bad news for you guys. There's a, uh, there's a beacon blinking y'all on the ship here. New Republic's on his way. It's like, how much time do we have? Now, this is where I don't know if any of you guys caught it. And I know I we've didn't. talked about it and you missed it. This was the most un-Disney joke I would have ever heard. They're like, yeah, I've got 20 minutes. And then Quincy says, well, you only need five, right? <laughs> yeah. You don't need the full 20. I'm like, oh. Oh, oh that went that, way over my head. Maybe that's saying something about me that I caught that. But as soon as you told me that that's, you know, that could have been what that refers to, like she was making a joke there, I was like, oh, yeah, you know what? That character would have made that joke at that time. That totally Because makes she sense. has a pass with Mando. Yeah. And then I'm pretty sure there's some type of, you know, something going on between her and her Mayfield. Yeah. So, I mean, five minutes. Who says we need 20 minutes? You only need five. <laughs> I'm like, geez, okay, Disney, we're pushing. We're, we're trying to keep this PG, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, from there, I mean, they hightail it to uh, where they're, um, this prisoner, the one they're looking for, is actually kept, uh, his cell block. And it turns out to be the, the brother of this Twi'lek character, uh, I guess, who used to run with them and got caught by the New Republic. And, and he's been there. And. Yeah, they, they, they free him. Yeah, they open it up. Uh, I think his name was Quinn. Yeah. And he, he makes a joke when he says, my savior is Mando, the one who left him behind. Right. And then immediately they shove him into the cell and then they shut the door. So it was kind of almost two jobs going on here at once. First job was rescue Quinn. Second job was kind of take uh, Mando out of the picture. Yeah, get a little revenge on the Mandalorian, uh, which is not great. <laughs> Yeah, no, they, they start going, and there's a big hug between him and his sister, and they're like, yeah, we got, you know, we finally got some revenge on him. Let's get out of here before, you know, the New Republic comes here and just gonna blows this ship out of the water. And, well, that didn't quite go as planned. Next thing I know, he, we see him kind of pacing in the cell, waiting for one of these security droids to come by, and he shoots one of his grappling hooks at him, pulls him over, takes his, basically takes his arm off, man. That's pretty badass. Yeah. And then opens the door, and it's 
it's all over. He's now this is where I feel like it's an old school like Michael Myers film. He basically starts locking the place down. The lights are red. It starts flashing, and he's just stalking them. Yeah, this was awesome. They kind of went from you know referencing westerns and samurai films to go 80s slasher flicks or or even batman the way he was kind of disappearing into the shadows and popping up behind people um it was awesome especially like the you had the alarms going off and like kind of everything was saturated and red light it was a totally different feel and that you could tell that's exactly the feel that they were going for um so as he's taking these guys down one by one they kind of hear each other's on uh screams and the comms and surprise and uh so they're kind of walking around all, all scared and, and meanwhile you know they're asking uh z the droid for help uh, he's having issues of his own on the razor yeah he, he looks at him he's like interesting yeah. or curious or something yeah so he starts you know kind of hunting down baby yoda and he can't find him until uh until closer to the end so you know mando's doing his thing he basically you know hunts them all down and then he meets the last guy they got they were you know rescuing this Quinn character and he was actually crawling back up into the ship and they have kind of a back and forth and he basically said you know I'm going to pay you you know what these other people were going to get paid for the job you know no questions you're a man of honor right rather than kind of shooting him down so he takes him back up in the ship and also next thing you know you see baby Yoda looking at this at zero Z and he's got his hand like he's he's getting ready to do something yeah and then he's closing his eyes and he moves his hand and then he drops dead. Like, he get, Z gets shot. Yeah. He, it's funny, because all of a sudden you see Baby Yoda look at his hand like, whoa, that, yeah. that, that didn't come from me, did it? <laughs> it's funny. That's the second time in the series where a droid was about to assassinate Baby Yoda, and Mando shoots him uh, before that could happen. Yeah, there, there you are. They're a Kendrick soul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not going to let anything happen to this baby now, especially after all they've been through together. Yeah, right. Yeah, so he leaves the other three back on, on the... In the prison, and they go back to uh, Raz. You know, drop off. You know, his quarry, and he basically says, "You know, just you." He said, "Well, no questions, right?" <laughs> so he drops him off. He pays him, and then he's uh, getting off the ship. Basically, you know, old times. You know, everything looks cool. He starts flying out, and he basically he says, "You know, kill him." So he's calling up this like almost like a an old school battle droid, like one of the ones that you'll see in Episode One. Yeah. Uh, a little more, a little more fortified, a little more badass. Something that would have given Mandalorian some trouble if it actually flew out and started attacking the uh, Razor. I think it would have been the end. Yeah. I don't think that Razor would have been able to you know, get away from that unless he hit hyperspeed and got away from it. That's yeah, really. Fortunately, that's not how it goes down. <laughs> yeah. But uh, all of a sudden they hear beeping, and Quinn looks in a pocket or something. I don't know when me and Mando slipped it on him. They find that tracker. Yeah. And, you know, Raz also knows exactly what it is. And they see three X-Wings come out of hyperspace looking right at him. Yeah, and as soon as the Razor is popping into hyperspace, yeah, those three X-Wings are popping out of hyperspace. <laughs> yeah, they're kind of just crossing each other, you know. Yeah. Paths, which is, uh, which is pretty cool. And then they basically just blow that, you know, that space station, the, the snot. So that's pretty much the end of that for the most part. And I don't know, the only thing I, I don't, don't like about that part of the you know the series there is or the show is I feel like we're getting a lot of throwaway characters. I don't know if they're setting it up for right. future episodes, but we're getting characters for one episode, which all these episodes are almost individual. You can watch one episode by itself, and it's a standalone episode away from everything else for the most part. 
Yeah, there's not a ton of overarching plot. The first couple of episodes when we were introduced to Baby Yoda and kind of what's going on there, um, you know, there was a lot of uh, plot that intersected. But ever since, when he's kind of been on the run, it's just like, well, I'll land on this planet to try to get some money or a job or safety, and then that doesn't happen, so i got to flee this planet, and the next episode, it's kind of wash, rinse, repeat. Which, I mean... Uh, don't get me wrong i love these episodes i think these are fun adventures to get into uh, on an episodic level but i'm also kind of used to overarching stories across series as well i think that's probably why we're in the golden age of television is because series like you know breaking bad and the wire and i mean you name it there's tons of great stuff where they're able to tell these long form stories um and it's kind of more beneficial than just plopping yourself in front of one story one two-hour story in, in a movie um, but, I mean, that being said, I, I trust the showrunner, Dave Filoni, who was actually one of the X-Wing pilots here. Um, you know, I trust him to tell this, this story and him and John Favreau. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure the next few episodes, the next couple episodes, we only have two left this season. Um, we're going to um, learn more about what the heck is going on with Baby Yoda and the Empire. Yeah, we got a little yeah, more about Baby Yoda. and I mean, there's, there's got to be something. they got to give us something on why... They're looking for him. I mean, they're not going to give us any origins. It took us as long to give us something of another type of Yoda character. Right. I think we're asking much to find out more about him, you know, this quickly. Uh, yeah, but the, the dialogue between Mando and Baby Yoda was kind of funny at the end. He basically, you know, takes that, that knob off, hands it to him, and looks at him and says, I told you that was a bad idea. <laughs> it's almost like they had a conversation before they went there. <laughs> Yeah, I kind of wonder if um, the rest of the series is going to be kind of this uh, lone wolf and cub format. If they're, you know, if he's constantly going to have this kid in tow. I mean, he ages. It's not like we're going to see this uh, baby Yoda grow into teenage Yoda, and eventually, like, it's not going to be like a this kid's side, you know, the Mando's sidekick or anything. I don't think. I think yeah. baby Yoda is going to be like a season one thing. Um, so, and I, which will probably be resolved in the next two episodes. I'm thinking. Uh, I don't know. I, I kind of think Baby Yoda is going to kind of be with him, kind of like his R2-D2. <laughs> I, I mean, if you think about it, yeah, you're like you were saying, Baby Yoda, I mean, he's at that age, at that size, he's 50. Yeah. There's no way they can age him properly and Mando age properly and not be, you know, have his freaking best car cane with him as he's shooting his, you know, his <laughs> grappling hook and his fire from his, you know, there's, it just won't jive. Yeah, I mean, certainly for the merchandising alone, it's going to be worth uh, keeping Baby Yoda in these episodes, right? I want a Baby Yoda for my guy room. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're, they're coming out. I'm sure you'd be able to grab one pretty easily. If not before the holidays, then definitely afterwards. But, oh, yeah, I'm not um, paying $100 for one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, you're right. If Baby Yoda is something that stays... I just hope that um, Mando uh, grows his crew a bit. Maybe if Cara Dune is with him on a more permanent basis. I would basis. like that, yes. That would be so, awesome. Some or more how he can get a Zorg or the, the original I've spoken dude. Yes, the Ugnot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that would be cool. Some some more characters for him to kind of play off of instead of these like you said these throwaway characters where they're introduced in one episode and they're gone by the end of the episode. Mm -hmm. Unless they're building, I mean, I don't think we've seen the end of say like Mayfield and Bjorg. You know what I mean? I, I yeah. think since they were alive and these are characters that weren't killed. Right. So it's very possible that we can see these characters come back. So we, yeah, we haven't seen Grief Karga or the or the client in a while, and it's it's hard for me to believe that those two are out of the picture now as well. So I think we're gonna get we're gonna get a lot in these next two episodes uh, to see exactly how this season is gonna go ahead and conclude. 
Yeah, Mandalorian's kind of building his uh, rogues gallery, isn't he? I mean, between these three that are locked up in the prison and the Grief Karga doesn't seem to be too happy with him, um, he's kind of building up enemies along the way. <laughs> I think before he realizes that he may have a bounty on him, if not already. Yeah. Now, we don't we don't hear of it, but uh, I would not be surprised if there was one out on him. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, these were good episodes, man. Uh, we, we really enjoyed uh, Chapter 6. Uh, but yeah, only two more episodes to go, and I, I feel like I or I've heard that uh, they have kind of a, a unique release schedule coming out to I guess not conflict with Rise of Skywalker, right? Uh, yeah, they're, they're kind of giving it so they were going to leave the basically the week uh, release weekend release of Rise of Skywalker kind of by itself. So what I have understood is that the next one is actually going to come out on the 18th which is Wednesday and then the following on the 27th so we know uh, the movie is basically going to come out on the 19th at some point you know midnight showings late night showings you know all that good stuff so instead of you know putting their two Star Wars you know uh, franchises up against each other they're going to leave that be and give the movie some burn time and then release the last one a week after uh, the release of the movie yeah I'm sure people will be discussing uh, Rise of Skywalker and however that ends uh, in depth during that week and just won't have room in their brains for the end of the Mandalorian season one so I'm glad they're doing that there's been so we're, we're being spoiled right now we're getting yeah. so much I mean we haven't even talked about Fallen Order uh, yet right. here on the show uh, I know you played uh, I was able to find somebody online and I just kind of watched them play through it yeah uh, just kind of TV episode wise which was uh, my first experience doing which I mean, honestly, I'll probably do it again, because right now I got no intention of dropping you know, $400 on a new system. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, between all the, all the everything we're getting, it, it's just coming fast and furious. And, like, I think you said a while back in one of the other episodes, if you would have told your, you know, your 12-year-old self that you'd have this much Star Wars in, you know, one fell swoop, you'd have been freaking out. It's insane, man. Within the span of just like one month, a movie's coming out, there's a show on television, there's a video game. <laughs> it's just like, and my mind's blown. Not just that, though. Disney Plus launched. Yeah. So now you have the access to all of the uh, the, uh, the Clone Wars series, all the Rebel series. Right. You have all, you know, basically almost all of the movies. You have your, your Rogue Ones out there. So, I mean, if you're not getting your fill of Star Wars now, I, I can't help you. There's <laughs> nothing right. that can be done. <laughs> There's Star Wars content for all. But, uh, yeah, I think that's going to do it for this review episode. Uh, check us back again after um, Chapter 8. Uh, it's going to be a couple weeks from now. But uh, don't worry. We will spend uh, Dad and Rock episode dedicated exclusively to the Rise of Skywalker here soon. Uh, you and I are actually meeting up next week to check that out. So I'm sure we'll discuss afterwards. Yeah, and if it's good enough or if it's bad enough, either way, uh, I think we may do a video. I think maybe we may find a way of kind of sitting it in my uh, my man room and kind of see the turtles behind us and <laughs> we kind of just uh, kind of talk about it and see what's going on with it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know where to find us now. I mean, I'm at you know Chris at DadNerock.com. We got you know Sean here at uh, DadNerock.com. And I mean, if you're listening to us, you know where to find us on online. All the you know the platforms, your iTunes, your Spotify's, uh, like us. Leave us a you know, review, something. I mean, we appreciate anything you guys do because the more you guys do, the more we'll, you know, people will find us. And uh, you have any last words? I wasn't a stormtrooper, wise ass. But for us, that's that's like that's a wrap. <laughs> <laughs> See ya. <laughs>